This is Jenny. And this is Philip. And welcome back to Tokyo Adventures Podcast. Sashiburi ne. Hi, Sashiburi. Which essentially means long, long time, time no, no see. see. Yeah. And it has <laughs> been a little bit. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, we've been on vacation mode, kind of. Yeah, we've been putting it to good use. Yeah. Phil's work got a little busy. So he was feeling mm-hmm. a little burnout. We decided to wait on the podcast a bit. So we went on vacation. We actually went to Kyoto and Osaka. It was very nice. Yeah, that was actually a few weeks ago. And then we just got back from Nico, which was just gorgeous. like mountains and lakes. Yeah, and hiking and oh, such. It was good. Yeah. Good stuff. We'll uh, talk more about those in another podcast because we definitely want to share that adventure mm-hmm. with you guys in more detail. But that's what we've been up to. Just relaxing and we're feeling good again. So we're here with another episode. And this one in particular, oh, before we get in, let's do like some quick updates. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Sorry about that. So for updates, like we said, we've been traveling. Mm -hmm. And another cool thing is I hit my one-year mark for living in Japan. Yeah, I hit my one-year mark for living in Japan in September. So I made it. (laughs) (laughs) Omedito. Thank you. That means like congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, we're getting all Japanese on everyone. Yeah, we're, we're learning. We're noobs. So well, we've been we're just in trying classes. To use it where we can. Yeah, Wait, we you, have. You've been better about it. Yeah, than we've I been have taking been. some Japanese courses, uh, just going through the basics. Yeah. For those who are like, oh, I wonder how far along they are. We're basically we're, noobs. we're prepping for N five. So I mean, we're <laughs> at the bottom tier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, it's we're learning. We're, we're our learning kanji and yep. We're now along. when I order my drink. I can do everything in Japanese and they communicate good. to me in Japanese. So it's really nice mm-hmm. uh, versus like, I don't know what you're saying. Can I see the English menu? Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. <laughs> so that to me is really exciting. Every time I do something new and it works, I'm like, hey, Philip. Yes. <laughs> you usually text each I other know, like, I'm like I, I made it through a full conversation. <laughs> I've definitely seen improvement here. So that's exciting. One year in. Yep. Or when you get a Nihongo Jozu. Oh, yes. Gotta love that Nihongo like Jozu. Your, your Japanese is good. I know everyone trolls about Nihongo Jozu because it's given <laughs> out like for free. It is. It's... But I still love it. It still I think feels good. I've been here short enough time where I still appreciate it and mm-hmm. love it. I think once we get to a higher level, we're like... We're having those conversations. We'll yeah. get annoyed by it, but right now I still love it. So don't hate on me, internet. <laughs> um, other than traveling, I just finished an episode of season two of Unsolved Mysteries. So Unsolved. So what is that? <laughs> For all of you 90s and 80s kids out there, there was a show that scared the crap out of me. <laughs> and probably a lot of you too that was called Unsolved Mysteries. And it's mm. basically Unsolved Mysteries. As the title is that like suggests, GX files? well, there is some stuff on aliens, uh-huh. <laughs> not starting out great, uh, but there's also like disappearances and ghost stories and murders. It's a whole plethora of things. Yeah. And so it was big in the 90s and they brought it back on Netflix and I watched all the first season and it was great. Loved it. And then the... I haven't seen it yet. I was working. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, there, we watch everything together, so it's hard to find something that one enjoys, the other doesn't. Right. It's basically like, do you care about this? No. Yeah. Do you care about this? Right. No. Then... So I love mystery type things, so I loved it. Anyway, season two came out this week, and I immediately started it, and I just finished the first episode, 
and it was actually on the 2011 Tohoku earthquake and tsunami, hmm. which was really interesting. So, because it is spooky season, yeah. and we're not putting out, obviously, a like spooky season episode, I thought it would be cool to recommend it to you guys. It was actually really interesting because it told the story of people's experiences with the earthquake and tsunami, and it, it's a couple uh, from a few people's perspectives. Mm. So it actually is really neat because I didn't know a lot of the details. Obviously, we remember when that happened, but it has a different meaning to us now living in Japan. So it was really cool to see that. Uh, but they also were focusing on some ghost stories that had Ooh. happened after the tsunami. Because obviously, a lot of people died and some people were never found. Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, a lot of people had experiences that they reported of seeing ghosts and seeing spirits or whatever. And I just thought it was really interesting, educational, a little bit spooky. Obviously, it's for anyone, believers or non-believers. I just thought it was really fun. And I think you guys would like it. Anyways, that's what we've been up to lately. But let's go ahead and move on to the topic at hand today, which is jobs in Japan. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> we actually received uh, several emails from you guys, which yeah. is really cool. Thank you for the listener emails. That yeah. was awesome to see. It was really exciting to hear from you guys. I, I loved hearing people's stories. Yeah. Um, just thank you for sharing yeah. what your experience has been and how you've heard questions. about this and asking questions. Yeah, we love it. It was, it was good stuff. Yeah, thank you guys for sending that in. Uh, we had several questions about jobs in Japan and we will reference some of the listeners questions in this episode so mm -hmm. look out for those but at the top I wanted to kind of mention the state of things right now sure. in Japan uh, the borders of Japan are kind of gray <laughs> yeah things it, are not clear it's a tricky um, who can enter and who cannot I know that they are letting some people with new visas Mm -hmm. come into japan but it's it doesn't to open. yeah it's still beginning to open so i think it could significantly delay or maybe you wouldn't get a job because of what's going on right now mm -hmm. i don't want to discourage you from trying but maybe delay it a little bit until things are a little bit more clear right for example people at my work have made it through during this time yeah, he has. So, yeah, his company has hired new employees, so it is not impossible. Right. It's difficult, but not impossible. Right, it is not impossible, but we just wanted to put that out there at the top because things are just a little crazy right, right. now. Like, we're, Japan is not letting in tourists still, uh, but we're just now able to get our uh, foreign residents back in. Like, that has been mm -hmm. an issue for months now, and we're just now getting those people back in. So. Right. Anyway, that's kind of where things are at this time. But moving on from that, let's go ahead and get started on our questions. Yeah. So the first up we have is from Andres in Costa Rica. Hopefully I'm saying your name right. Yeah. So he and says... And he actually sent in a bunch of questions. Yeah. So you'll hear a lot of questions in here. And a lot of them actually come from him. But we are going to point out one that he specifically gave us. And right. that's the one Phil's going to do now. Yeah, a few of these are from him and other people. And um, some of them we didn't want to add on our own. Yeah. That we thought would be valuable so to just mix. talk about. Yeah. yeah. So it's a mix of a few people. Um, so he asks, can you make enough money to live in Tokyo and travel on a developer's salary? And Nova has the answer. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, she's wandering around, so you're going to yeah. hear her a bit today. She's waking up from her nap. Her nap of the entire day. <laughs> Cat life. Uh, so, essentially, the question, a lot of these are going to be, it depends. Yeah. Right. So, I guess to preface this a little bit, we're going to give our experience of this. And yeah. a lot of this is centered around what is my job like? Mm-hmm. What is our experience? But that doesn't mean it's a guarantee for everyone or this yeah. is always the case. So, it yeah. could be better, could be worse. Yeah, definitely. So, for the question he asks, can you make enough money to live in Tokyo and travel? For sure. I think that one, if it's talking about a developer's salary, most of the time that's going to be a yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I think also it depends on some external factors. Mm -hmm. So, uh, like us, we have a lot of school debt. We knew that was going to be an issue. So, we waited for a job that could accommodate for that. So, if you have a lot of school loans, you need to accommodate for that. Mm-hmm. And you also need to accommodate for higher taxes. Yeah, we'll and talk about that in a little bit. you need to accommodate for more expensive apartments. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of things you need to factor in, but your external components of planning affect whether or not you can do that. Right. So the second question is, what about a teacher? Some people have asked, if I go and teach English over there, will that be enough? And I think there's a lot of great examples of this online. There's a lot of YouTubers that started that way that can yeah. talk about it as well. Yeah. Um, I think with the teacher's salary over here, it's definitely doable, but it's Mm -hmm. a lot more difficult. It is. You get kind of limited on your choices. And I think that's where the key is with money in Japan. It's about your sacrifices you're willing to make. Yeah. If you have a high standard of living, it might be hard to travel. It might be hard to do things. If you want a nice house, if you care about space. Yeah. If you don't care about space and you're wanting to get a Japan experience and just get over here... You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Yeah, as long as your externals are not too expensive. Right, right. Uh, as a teacher, often you're provided housing and you get, a, I think, a, a, an okay salary. Mm-hmm. But because they often provide housing and they will fly you over here, right? a lot of the hassles of actually moving... Make it easy. Yeah, it's a little bit easier, but you're working with a lot less money. And I've also heard, and there have been many TikToks made about it, that you can literally not save money (laughs) when you're an English teacher in Japan. (laughs) So um, English teachers definitely would be a little bit harder. But Mm -hmm. as a developer, I think you have a lot more options. Right. I think it's definitely um, a lot safer. And I think they, well, it kind of gets into the next topic, but I guess talking about like, U.S. jobs versus Japan jobs. Yeah. If you're in a U.S. company, <clears throat> it's a lot better, I guess. And mm-hmm. I think they take care of you. They set up more things. A U.S. company based in Japan. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So let's let's move on to the next question, which is what can you expect for pay? Mm-hmm. And how does that compare to the U.S.? So how do you compare a Japan salary or the money you'd make there mm-hmm. versus if you came from the U.S.? Which this is going to be our our basis for a lot of these things we're going to talk about because this is what we know. Yeah. Um, so I guess just translate that to whatever country you would be coming from. Mm-hmm. So this is another one where it's an easy, it depends. It depends on the company. Yeah. So company matters a lot. Yeah. Um, over here, the salaries range just from even what I've looked at as far as the developer positions, um, company to company, it's pretty substantial. Mm-hmm. And also the, position you would be in so like are you a software engineer are you a manager Mm -hmm. are you someone high up what are you trying to do are you in devops are you a front-end developer and it actually gets into like what language you're coding in Mm -hmm. are you a java developer are you a front-end expert 
And um, all of those factors affect how much you make? Yes. Okay. And it also depends on which company you can get into as well. Right. So this is where I know it's probably going over a few people's heads. They're like, I don't care about developer stuff. But if you are interested, I would definitely take a look at the major companies that you'd be taking checking out and seeing what languages and what job positions are available for that country specifically. Mm-hmm. Because it, was it different here? It, it is. Okay. Yeah. So ju- just to give one example, Google, I think they have the maps teams over here. So when they're developing Google maps, I think they do a lot of that. Mm-hmm. So that means you need to know maps. Well, what language did they write that in? Right. Yeah. That's a very specific thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously I'm just generalizing. Yeah. I'm sure they have other teams. I don't know. Um, but you know, compared to all the rest of Google and every other product, you know, mm-hmm. it's a little bit more honed into specific category. So, okay, gotcha. what that means is just do your research, try to figure out what you need. Um, you can always email if you have a question or if you're trying to figure this out and you're like, Hey, Philip, I don't really know what I should be studying. Send yeah. an email. We can, we can always help you out. Well, we can try to help because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we obviously, we only have our experience, but right. we obviously did a lot of research before we moved here. So we have some knowledge outside of our experience. Yes. And I've, I've worked in a couple of companies across the U.S. and yeah. here in Japan. So I kind of have a variety of a couple of languages and a couple mm. of companies. I got a good basis, at least. With the different languages and the different years of experience or management or whatever, from like the base to the top, what's kind of the, the big range? Sure. Um, so I think Japan has a lower base than america for like development jobs. development jobs okay. and it kind of fits with their business jobs so i think they're anywhere from this is in u.s dollars but like forty thousand to probably three hundred thousand would be the cap yeah so i mean that's a huge range right, right. and obviously that gets way up there but i'm talking yeah. about like you're a beginner developer you're trying to get into something or you're a qa and then going all the way up to like director. Right, right. right. So this is just like a, a massive range. Yeah. Another question that was asked similar to that topic is, is it difficult to get a job in Japan without experience? Ooh, this is a... Uh... <laughs> hmm. So a lot of this, I think, part of it rolls up to which companies you're trying to apply for. Mm-hmm. So if you know Japanese, that opens up a lot of your options, right? Yeah. And so you might be able to go to places with different levels of experience. So I guess I'm going to scope this to my knowledge of American-based companies that are in Japan mm-hmm. and how to get into those. Mm-hmm. So I would say that it's really difficult to get into them if you don't have a degree, if you don't have any experience. I, I would say it's pretty tough. Yeah. Pretty tough doesn't mean impossible, so don't take that as giving up. Yeah. But... I would say if you have experience, it's pretty easy to get in as long as, you know, you're capable and you can pass an interview. Yeah. Um, you'll definitely get a shot. Yeah. I guess that's how I would say it is. You, you'll have a good chance of getting an interview and having that option. If you don't have it, though, it's a lot of it would be based around networking. I think that would be your best shot. Yeah. So you need to be able to prove yourself. Yeah. Right. So this means if you have certifications... For development or UX, UI, that kind of stuff, your portfolio could also be a good example. Mm-hmm. Like, do you have code examples on GitHub? Can you show off some of your skill sets, things that you've done, projects? Yeah. That's all great. And then if you happen to meet anyone or have someone who can refer you, yeah, then that's a golden chance. That could be your golden ticket to get in. Yeah, because I think getting an interview in the first place without experience is difficult. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I think that's something a lot of us face 
coming out of college is we have no experience, but even at entry level, they want experience. So it's kind of a tough right. thing to deal with. So doing that networking, I think, is uh, really important if that's what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Yep. But something that I wanted to mention as a positive is the pool of engineers that are trying to get into the Japanese software development jobs is mm-hmm. smaller than it is in the U.S. Yeah. Right. So you do have a little bit better odds in that circumstance. So you mean like Japanese companies, not American companies? No, no, no. American companies in Japan. Oh, okay. So think like Google, Facebook, Okay, so the Microsoft. pool of people trying to get right. here is smaller. And it's because not everyone wants to relocate. Obviously, right? yeah. And so you are fighting against less people in that chance. Yeah. In that circumstance. And then you do always have Japanese companies, which we have no experience in because that has not been <laughs> yes. what we've dealt with. Uh, you will have to know Japanese for that. Right. So that's a must. Uh, we don't know how difficult that is. We don't know the level of experience of you mm-hmm. that you'll need, but I'm sure that you could find that with some Google research, but it, it's totally an option as well. Yeah, that actually brings us into the next, I, I guess the next two questions it looks like. Yeah. So the, the next one is, are there any differences interviewing in Japan versus America? So for me, there were some, but not many. Right. And that's, that's largely because my company has an American culture and mm-hmm. the interview for me would be the same pretty much as being in the U.S. or right. a U.S. position. Right. The only differences were essentially a little bit of the culture fit for, hey, you're moving to Japan. Are you, how long are you going to be staying? Yeah. You know, are you going to fit in with that kind of culture? Because yeah. it, it is very much a melting pot here, mm-hmm. right, of different countries that are all around that are coming in. Yeah. So that means a lot of people, English is their second language, mm-hmm. which means you're probably going to have some cultural differences. There's, mm-hmm. you know, often disagreements can come up because of different mindsets. Well, well right, because your fellow workers <clears throat> are not all coming from America. Right, They're coming exactly. from all over the world. Yeah, and I personally, I thought that was really cool and right. something that I love about my job. Yeah. So talking about the contrast of that is... Some of the companies here have a very different culture if they're Japan-based. Yeah. And that means... What do you mean by Japan-based? So that means like a Japanese company where they speak Japanese as their primary language. So it's more the Japanese work culture. Right. There is a little bit of a a mix in between where there are some American companies here, but they have a lot more of the Japan culture influence. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that to be true. I'm being a little bit vague about specific companies. Yeah. But I just know that there are a few that mm-hmm. are not the same as the culture you'd expect back in the U.S. Yeah. And I, I think especially if you're working not with an American company based in Japan, you're going to have a lot of cultural differences in the way that you interview. And because we have not dealt with that, we can't really give you those step by steps or recommendations. Mm-hmm. But I did do a little bit of searching online, and you can find recommendations. Uh, I know Gogo Nihon had a Mm -hmm. little article on it. So there is definitely information you can uh, find to prepare for a Japanese company. Uh, Even if you're going with an American company based in Japan, it might be helpful to look at some of those just to prepare in case they throw out like an oddball question that you're not prepared for that's related to Mm -hmm. japanese culture i think it's better to be prepared yeah uh, another good example is nomi kai if i'm saying that correctly it's basically where in a japanese company Mm -hmm. it's often typical that you wait for your boss to leave yeah so that means if they're working late it's eight or nine p.m you're basically just typing on your keyboard waiting for him to leave or her 
And that's pretty standard, I think, that all workers essentially will stay no matter how late Mm -hmm. until the boss goes home. Right. And then oftentimes after that, it's drinking (laughs) going out to Mandatory drinks. It's a thing here. Yeah. The culture in Japanese business can be demanding and Mm -hmm. a little bit difficult. So if you're looking at a Japanese job, prepare yourself for that. You may be working long hours. You may Mm -hmm. be staying up late. It might come with additional cost of every night going out to drink and eat. So think about all these factors before you jump into something and you're like, whoa, I was not (laughs) ready for this and I burn out and I never have time for anything. Yeah. And if you do get an interview, I think these are great questions to ask and try to gauge what the culture feels like to you. Do you feel like you're getting into something you're going to be working 60 hours a week or is this going to be a nice culture where they, you know, are trying to help promote work-life balance? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important. If you're moving to Japan, you're not moving here to work to death. And that was something that was really important to us. And we talked Mm -hmm. about in our interview with Norm that we waited for a place that had that work-life balance because our goal is to come here to travel all Mm -hmm. around Japan, but all over the world. Yeah, I I guess it's a good point to bring up is think about how long do you intend to stay here? Are you going to come and try it out for a year or two? Or do you want to stay here for a long time, like 10 years? Yeah. And if, you know, you're just coming to check out Japan, maybe that's fine for you. But if you want to stay long term, you might want something that lets you have a good, healthy work-life balance. Mm -hmm. Oh, Momo. (laughs) Momo's awake now. (laughs) Momo's joining in on the podcast. Uh, And relating to how long you want to stay in the country... Is he going to come up? He's, he's about to. Okay. Come here, Mom. Uh, r- relating to how long you want to stay in the country, uh, it is definitely more attractive from a potential employer's perspective that you want to stay. They yes. don't really want to bring someone over that only wants to be here a year or two. Right. Don't say you're going to be here for one no, year and party not. in Japan and then leave. Right. And I, I think it's important during the interview as well is to show that you're emphatic about living in japan you're going to stay here for a long time Mm -hmm. say why you want to move to japan why you love japan and don't be just like i watched anime one time and i like ramen (laughs) like give some content make them understand why you're passionate about japan and also you have to think from their perspective they are paying to potentially relocate you they're also paying to uh do your visa which mm-hmm. costs the company money for mm-hmm. them to sponsor that visa for you so if you're interviewing you say oh, i just want to go for like maybe a year two three years they're like we could find someone else that is worth our money right and uh, worth if, our time yeah if you're going to be staying for five years that's going to look better than one yeah and so i i wouldn't Honestly, I wouldn't say a specific time. I would just say you plan on investing and staying in Japan. Yeah. Don't give a specific timeline. Right. Just tell them you want to stay. Tell them why you want to stay. Just make it look attractive to them. Right. Not like they're wasting their time. Think about if you were hiring someone, right? Yeah. You wouldn't want someone who's just going to take your money and leave. Right. So I guess talking about that, there's two parts of that to break down. Yeah. One is the visa and one is the actual relocation. Right. So I guess let's talk about visas. Visas, yeah. So go ahead. Visas can range from 
just a few months mm -hmm. to five years. And there may be some past that, but that's kind of what we're dealing with when we're talking about moving to Japan as a developer. Those like are the a common teacher. ones. Uh, typically, a teacher will get a one-year visa, mm -hmm. and they have to renew every year. That's an actual work visa. A work visa, yeah. And that is sponsored by the company who hires them and brings them to Japan. Right. And that has to be redone every year, and that yep. gets really old. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you get two or three years. I, I hear it's rare. It's rare. Yeah. Yeah. As an English teacher. As a developer, you may, and it's, I think it's more likely, mm -hmm. that you get a highly skilled worker visa. Yeah. Which is can... the almighty golden visa the five-year yes. visa <laughs> it's pretty nice uh it's because it's under the engineering category yeah um so it's it's software but they kind of does engineering yeah and yeah that's great so you get five years between each renewal yeah that is a big deal it makes your stress levels go down it yeah. lets you kind of invest long term and i've seen i didn't really appreciate it when we first got it i'm like mm -hmm. oh five years great cool but as i've seen on twitter and <laughs> getting to know kind of the online culture here a five-year visa is just un unattainable <laughs> yeah it's, it's really difficult it's difficult so i'm really grateful we have it and i think if you're an engineer it Mm -hmm. it's, it's likely you'll get something at least close to it most most anything in the tech industry is pretty safe yeah like that should fall underneath that five-year visa yeah so that's kind of what you're looking at from a few months to five years as far as the visas always aiming for more right uh and then the other part was relocation well there's there's oh. the opposite there's the the tourist visa oh you want to go on a tourist yeah visa? okay i want to talk about that a little bit yeah if you're thinking about relocating here making your life here Tourist visa, and I think there might be some other kind of visas that are similar mm -hmm. too. I'm not sure what they are exactly, but you can look them on, look them up online to see kind of what the timeline is for each one. Mm -hmm. uh, but it does give you at least a few months. I do it's recommend typically three months, right? I think it's three months. Yeah. yeah. So if you can afford it, uh, and if you have the time, I think it would be really good for you to come to Japan, stay here as long as you're able to. Uh, maybe get like a little homestay. I, mm -hmm. don't, I don't know. There are a couple options out there. But if you can come here and experience Japan firsthand, I think that would be amazing. Yeah, we, we talked about it uh, with Norm a little yeah. bit. Just we personally even did this and checked out areas to live. Yeah. Kind of experienced what it would be like. And that was only like a few days. Yeah. But if you come here for a few months, right? that would really help you understand kind of the culture and what to expect right because there's definitely this goes for any country there's you know when you are a tourist and you see all the really cool shiny things and yeah. then there's life in that country there's definitely some rose colored glasses <laughs> yeah. so and even since we've been here we're like oh man this is difficult we weren't expecting that there's always <laughs> things you don't think of and you're like ah that won't be that big a deal it can be that big a deal <laughs> right i guess uh to diversion because people are going to be like philip what is that one uh, so the one big one for me is paperwork. Mm. Um, just a lot of things have a manual process. Yeah. Um, didn't expect that, especially coming from the U.S. A lot yeah, of things are online this, and digitized. There's this like unreal expectation of Japan to be high tech. And in some ways, there are some really cool high tech things. Yes. But Japan is definitely still manual. Right. <laughs> Everything is paperwork paperwork and fax machines and in person they still send faxes yeah so that can be really irritating especially as a foreigner i can't imagine having to go through all of that 
on a one-year visa. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so from that aspect, definitely visit if you can. Mm -hmm. But also it gives you a chance to make connections here. Yes. Connections with uh, other foreigners or whatever group you're looking to join. Mm -hmm. uh, Even the company. Yeah, company you... uh, connections people you meet you never know what you're going to find doing that but right. trying to build those connections while you're here i think would be immensely helpful yeah to give a specific example uh tech companies often have uh what is it called like tech meetups where they mm -hmm. have a specific topic they talk about like here's this yeah. new front-end react technology yeah and you can go listen to it and go check it out and yeah. It's a great place for a meet and greet. Yeah. Make some friends. Try to get connections. Yeah, because the people presenting, you can have conversations with. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I'm interested in that or I do that. And they're like, oh, well, why don't you go online? We're hiring for this. You never know where you can find that connection. Right. Because for us, our connection to Japan was like random. <laughs> it is not yes. a traditional connection. Yeah, so. that's actually a... a listed thing here but yeah let's talk about that second point that we had so the first one was talking about visas yeah and uh what was the second one relocation relocation yeah yeah uh do you want to talk about it yeah so relocation this was another part of andreas question is is relocation provided and that again <laughs> varies from company to company we don't know what other companies will offer i think if you are a higher end developer with experience or maybe management they typically will offer some kind of relocation mm -hmm. assistance. Right. Whatever that looks like, we don't know. Uh, but that's definitely not guaranteed. Yeah. I wouldn't expect it, but it would be a great bonus. I, I think a lot of the American companies especially yeah. will at least help you out in some of the categories. Yeah. Right. If it's like, here's a portion for your moving or yeah. we'll help get you some stuff set up. Yeah. Um, there's a lot whenever you transition to a new country. Mm -hmm. um, just basic things you do not think of and take for granted. Yeah. Like, oh, electricity. I kind of need that. Yeah. Or, or a phone. Right. And I, I we're going to do a whole episode, I think, on relocation mm -hmm. yep. uh, because it actually is very complex. So yes. we'll go more into that on another episode. Uh, but relocation kind of ties in with that visa and your interview if a company is paying thousands of dollars to relocate you they want you to stay right <laughs> so you, again you have to look at it as this company is investing in you so you have to portray to them i want to stay another aspect to consider is even if you get a relocation fund if you don't stay at that company for one year, two years, mm -hmm. you'll often have to pay that back. Yeah, that's a, a yeah. big risk. Yeah, so don't assume that, oh, I'll just hop over here, they'll relocate me, and then I'll move on to another company. Mm -hmm. Usually there's something in the contract that you sign with them that if you leave after one year or two years or whatever, you have to pay all that money back. Right. Because obviously that would be just like taking advantage of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I won't go into too much detail because we're going to talk about tax at another point. But you also have to pay taxes on that mm. relocation uh, money. Surprise. So if you get a bunch of money to relocate, you're like, oh my gosh, I got all this free money to buy whatever I want past physically moving over to mm -hmm. the country. You have to pay taxes on that. Right. So don't look at it as free money because you're going to have to pay for it. Some places will compensate for the tax money, but it just varies on company to company. Yeah. Okay. So the next question comes from Jared in Ohio and it says, can I be offered a job in Japan based off certifications alone and no degree or is a degree necessary? Mm hmm. Hmm. So this is kind of a depends, but 
I would say a degree is not necessary, Mm -hmm. but it definitely increases your odds. Like I mentioned before, having experience really helps. That gets you in the door much, much easier. But with that being said, if you have certifications, I mentioned a little bit before too, having a portfolio, Mm -hmm. these can increase your odds. It's just really getting in that first interview phase. So if you can make a connection, if you can get a referral, or if you can convince a recruiter to say, hey... (laughs) Look at these cool things I've done. I got some certifications. Look at these portfolios and you can get in. There's a chance you can get it. So I wouldn't dismiss it. I think it's a very viable option. Yeah. um, But it could be challenging. So I just would be prepared. Like if you're going to move here first and try to get a job afterwards, like your your spouse got a job and Mm -hmm. you're moving and you're thinking, well, maybe I can get one there. It's definitely possible, and I would try for it. Yeah, because once you're here, it's a little bit easier. Right, and you can also start learning Japanese if you want to try to go that route. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say don't give up. It's definitely a possibility. Yeah, a degree is always a plus. Speaking Japanese is always a plus. Mm -hmm. Having experience, always a plus. Right. But there are some, but not many, entry-level jobs here, and I think that's going to be really dependent on the connections that you can make. Yeah, and time. And also what area of development you're wanting to get into. Yes. Because one might be easier than another. So it's not like, oh, I want to be a manager and I have no experience. That's not realistic. Right. There might be an entry-level QA, or you could even get into, um, uh, what is it called, after college, where you're trying to get into a company. Oh, 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 come on. Oh, come on. <laughs> it's where you say the word, where you think the word, and then you say it out loud, and now no one can remember. Uh, I can't remember. Are you talking about where you work for free? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Internship. Yeah. Internship. Internship. That's it. Yes, yes, yes. Internship. There are internships. Yeah. Um, I don't honestly know how that works if you're already in an industry or if that's just college level. Yeah. I don't know, but I'm throwing that out there. That might be an option. Yeah, and your first job may not be your dream job. It may not be perfect. But if you manage to get, land a job here mm-hmm. and you can move here and everything's good, you know, take it. You don't have to go the long route like Phil and I did. Mm-hmm. We had very specific needs and mm-hmm. we have some lifestyle things that we wanted. So mm-hmm. we waited and that's fine. But not everyone has to take that like eight year road. Yeah. Another thing actually that makes me think of that is relevant is I know a fair amount of people who have come to my company from other ones working in japan Mm -hmm. so what i would say from that is if you have an opportunity to come over here and it's a decent job Mm -hmm. i would take it because once you're in and you have that experience Mm -hmm. it should be a lot easier to transition around like the pros we talked about um so yeah if you if you have one and you're not sure if it's good enough i would say it's probably a really great opportunity to get your life settled over here and if you're in a job already that's going to help yeah, and there's a caveat to that. And just make sure whatever you take, you can afford to live here. Yeah. Because yes. you can be like, oh, I'll just go. It's the only thing I'll ever get. But you get here and you can't afford to eat. Right. Like you have to be able to afford rent. You have to be able to afford eating and paying taxes. So mm-hmm. just with that caveat. All right. So next question. Do you need to speak Japanese? Do you feel like your choices were limited due to the, due to the language barrier? No. No, not I don't for think you. So. No, not for me at least. Yeah, in a, in an American company based in Japan, it was not a limiter. Yeah, I think it's always a plus. It is well, and I guess part of that aspect too is I wanted an American culture based job. Yeah, and so speaking Japanese or not really didn't affect my choices. Yeah, 
because they're all based on English. Right. But if you're looking for just getting any job and you're trying to get over here, mm-hmm. or if you're in a different field that's outside of it, like let's say you want to do mechanical engineering or you're a lawyer, doctor, whatever. Yeah. Japanese will definitely help. Oh, yeah. And I think that hit you kind of a little bit where your field that you were in before in the U.S., yeah. you were totally able to do, you were climbing in that career. Yeah. But then over here, the language barrier hit. Yeah. The jobs exist, but you couldn't get them. Well, yeah, it's like a, a no-go, 100%. Right. Like, if it wasn't a language problem, mm-hmm. I could have a job here. But if you know Japanese, it's going to open a lot more doors for you. Right. So I guess that applies to really just, if you're looking for any kind of job over here, See if there are ones that are in your language that's probably a lot easier. Yeah. Otherwise, learning Japanese never hurts. Yeah. It opens a lot more doors. If you are in the situation where you don't have the experience or the degree or whatever, start learning Japanese. Mm -hmm. Uh, We didn't know if we were going to move to Japan specifically. We're also interested in Korea. Mm -hmm. So we didn't start learning Japanese. And to some degree, I think I wish we had, but we just (laughs) didn't know. So if you know that Japan is where you're going to go, start learning. And if you have to spend three years in school, that's three years of Japanese under your belt. Plus the language is really cool. Yes. The language is really cool. Uh, It's my favorite, like looking at a bunch of different ones, trying to consider what I want to learn. Yeah. It just, it sounds... Japanese is fun. Yeah. It's got a nice, smooth, consistent tone. I'm into it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So... If you got time, at least try. Okay, moving on to the next question. This one is a little less to do with uh, getting a job and work culture, but more to do with like expectation of what people are like in Tokyo. The person specifically asked, basically, I've heard that people in Tokyo could be a little less friendly than say places like Osaka or Kyoto or wherever. Mm-hmm. And and I, I think in our experience, it hasn't been that way. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Uh, I mean, I guess it depends on what you're expecting, right? Yeah. Are you expecting people to just walk up to you on the street and be like, hey, how's it going? Yeah. Let me show you around. Uh, I would say Tokyo is not that way. Yeah. Like o- Osaka has a reputation for being a little bit more of just meeting a total stranger and they're the, super they'll friendly. They'll approach you and talk to you yeah. a little bit more. Which there can be cons to that as well sometimes. Yeah. Um, I think Tokyo is just people go about their business. I think they're actually really friendly whenever you get into an interaction. Yeah. So for our personal experience, yeah. I would say that Tokyo people are very friendly once you engage with them in right. conversation. And it can be a little bit tricky as a foreigner because sometimes people are scared of foreigners. Mm-hmm. And that could be a negative or it can be kind of neutral. The neutral sense is they may not know English and they're afraid that you're going to talk to them in English and it can be a bit intimidating. That's actually an interesting point. Yeah. Uh, They are often afraid because they're going to mess it up or they don't, they want to avoid conflict. Yeah. And so if they don't know enough English, they may feel really uncomfortable. Yeah. But if someone does know English or if you speak enough Japanese, like in a conversation, for Mm -hmm. example, like uh, when Jenny was able to order her drink in fully Japanese. Yeah. That makes them feel super comfortable and they just instantly light up and they're like, oh, great. I can talk to you a little bit. Yeah. And and from that, now <laughs> they know my drink order and my name. Yeah. So, so we've made that little bit of a relationship. So it, it can be a little bit intimidating, like I was saying. Mm-hmm. But also there is the, the negative part of it's a foreigner. I don't really want to engage with them. Mm-hmm. It, it just can have a little bit of 
racism in it. Yeah, I think you just have to go person to person. Yeah. Um, if they know English, yeah. that definitely makes them a lot more lively. They tend to be more open to conversation. Yeah. And I think a lot of it's on you as mm-hmm. the person. Like, yes. if you're on a train and you're loud and you're on your phone and you're, you know, drunk and screaming, you have to know the culture of Japan. Right. Like, if you respect their rules, their culture, you're going to have better experiences. I think that this is partially just something that goes for moving to any country that you're not used to yeah. or that isn't your original country. Well, that is not like your country. Right. You're always going to be a foreigner to a degree. Yeah. Um, and Japan kind of has that concept very strongly. Well, where... yeah, because most people in Japan are Japanese. Right. Like, it's like the whole country is yeah. Japanese. So even if you're fluent you know, 20 years from now, yeah. uh, you still will sometimes be treated like a foreigner. Yeah, no matter what. And that is something that you can take positively or yeah. negatively. Yeah. The negative aspect is like, you don't ever feel like you fit in. You've been here for 20 years, you know the language. Yeah. And, you know, you could be a little bit complaintive about that or get yeah. frustrated. And that, that'll affect everyone at some point or another. Yeah. But the positive side is... And this, for me, really strikes a chord with just historically some of the best experiences are where you're outside of your comfort zone. We've talked about this before a little bit, but just, you know, you're meeting people, you have things to talk about, you have cool topics, Mm -hmm. you have a different life from a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So you can just kind of express, oh, this is what life is like here in the U.S. Oh, that's totally different from like Israel. Mm-hmm. That's totally different from the Japan. Mm-hmm. And suddenly this conversation with these people gets It's really it, interesting. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah. And I think that that, honestly, the, the cultural differences has been really beneficial. And personally, I've really liked it. Yeah. Yeah. So it, there's a, just a lot of aspects. It's not like people in Tokyo are cold or mm-hmm. won't talk to you or don't like you. I think people in Tokyo are busy mm-hmm. and there's a lot of people. Right. And people are just trying to go from A to B. <laughs> I actually and, really like that. Right. And it, it's similar to Seattle in that mm-hmm. way. Seattle was very much like headphones in, head down, walk from A to B. There's, yeah, like, I, I just, <laughs> I'm just thinking it as you're picturing yeah. it. Yeah. And, and typically, I think people are not as outgoing. Like, they don't start up conversations with strangers. They often describe it as respecting one another's space. Yeah. And I think for us, that fits our culture really well where our our personal our culture. personalities yeah our personalities <laughs> our thank culture. you sorry <laughs> brain fart yeah uh but yeah like i like being able to get on a train yeah and no one's like screaming at each other everyone's yeah. nice and quiet yeah and you know i can just relax and then yeah. i go to work and it's peaceful and everyone yeah. kind of follows the rules to a degree you know mm-hmm. it's not crazy and you don't have like someone running around with a knife and you just like see all these crazy things sometimes people are like what happens little, in the u.s we got a little trauma <laughs> yeah <laughs> but here it's just i don't know it's peaceful it's content yeah it's it's very peaceful and people are very respectful of you yeah and i i want to set an expectation of not everyone is happy you're here mm-hmm. and i don't want that to like bum you out i don't want it to make you like not want to come here but the reality is some people don't want foreigners in japan yes and that's not common you usually will see that at like shibuya crossing Mm -hmm. or in shinjuku there are japanese nationalists who do not want foreigners here (laughs) but that is not not common the people are not going to approach you and like start screaming at you at least not typically Mm -hmm. it's never happened to us and i don't think it happens to a lot of people so as a whole we have loved being in tokyo it's great to have rules that make things smooth and easy and you know, we don't have to deal with a lot. Mm-hmm. 
And everyone that we've interacted with has been very kind. Yes. Uh, it, we just recently went to Osaka and I didn't feel a difference really. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't have more conversations with Osakans than I did with Tokyoites. There was maybe like one or two people that were just more engaged in conversation. But yeah, yeah it wasn't too different. Yeah. It, as far as like workers, I mean, people in Osaka, some of them hated their jobs just as much as they hate their jobs in Tokyo. <laughs> Actually, now that I think about it, I think... Some of it comes from Osaka is just a little bit more casual. Yeah, the, that is something we really noticed. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to get too that. deep in that, but it is a totally different. Like people dress differently, people yeah, act differently, right. walk differently. Tokyo is very dressed up. Yeah, very, you're talking like, about someone like in a suit versus someone in shorts. Yeah, like and khakis. I, right, and I think that is what carries into more casual. Yeah, those yeah. conversations and experiences you have with people. I think that's where it's like, oh. Running into someone in Osaka, they're wearing shorts and they're casual and they, yeah. you know, are interested in things you are. Yeah. And then Tokyo, maybe someone's a little bit more professional. Yeah. I think professionalism is nice there. Like, mm-hmm. nice in Tokyo where, like, everyone's wearing a suit, everyone's wearing a dress, everyone works at a really nice company. You know, there's right. just, I think, a higher expectation. Right. Tokyo, on the other hand, just to preface it a little bit, has, like, all a range of people. So it's not just a whole bunch of fancy people. Oh, yeah. Like, right. Yeah. But I think as like a, a generalization yes, versus yes. Osaka <laughs> specifically. Just want to make sure no one was worried like, oh, they're going to this fancy area. No, yeah. You, you can be casual. Yeah. And if you have more questions related to like culture mm-hmm. in Tokyo, we can't give obviously the perspective of every prefecture, but we can at least give our perspective about specifics within Tokyo. Right. Okay. Next, we're going to move on to timeline, which is a lot longer than we expected (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I think it's safe to say you're gonna need anywhere from like six seven months for the entire process right that starts from interviewing which for me to give an example mine was five months but i think that was a bit long yeah so i would estimate between one to three months on average yeah Um, And then the next part is the interesting. So what comes after the interview? Because that's kind of based on the company. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty typical that visas take a little while. Yeah. They can take a long time. But I guess what I would say is expect to have between one and three months with three months being the average Mm -hmm. after you get your job offer. Yeah. So you get your job offer three months later. That's where you should have your visa done. Yeah. Because there's should... a lot that you have to submit and that yes. has to be processed right. for that visa to be issued before you can even go. Right. You need to make sure you have your passport. You need to yeah. make sure it's updated. Get it's your like visa. marriage certificate, birth certificates, mm-hmm. uh, passport stuff. There's like so much stuff we had to submit. Right. So it took a while, but definitely be on top of it because the faster you get them, the yes. information they need, the faster you can get into Japan. Yes. <laughs> And then getting your actual plane ticket set up so yeah. you can figure out that day. Yep. Um, there was a lot of coordination where we had to send in the specific day that I got here. Yeah. On the visa application, like yep. here is my plane ticket. Here is when I'm expecting to arrive. Yep. When I got to Japan, yeah. I had to do this. Again, this was just me going through this first. Yeah. Um, and so they asked like, what are you doing here? Yeah. What's your company? Yeah. Look at the visa. Mine didn't have a job description on it. On the visa. And mm-hmm. so they like pulled me into a room in the airport. 
I had to sit there for like 20 minutes thinking, am I going to get deported? And they're just like, oh, you just don't have a job description. We got to figure it out. And then it's like they wrote in like engineer that does engineer stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, that's why I got held in this room for 30 minutes. Yeah. And Japan will be specific like that sometimes. Yeah, they like, are... You have to be really careful. Like, mm-hmm. don't just wing it like, oh, this doesn't match that. It doesn't matter. It does matter. It, every Everything like, space, has to match. You will not get approved because there is a space. Yeah. Or so your signature looks different. Careful. They look yeah. at signatures. Yep. I find that a crazy thing. Like, if you do your hand scribble and then you do your nice signature, they'll be like, ah, these don't these look don't the match. same. Yeah. <laughs> and it's going to get more complicated if you have a spouse if you have children if you have cats there's momo right on cue he just woke up from a dream (laughs) yeah uh so you know the more people you are taking with you the more complicated it's going to get and the longer that process will probably take yes so don't be surprised if your interview process is a couple months long don't get discouraged there might be a month between interview to the next interview Mm -hmm. so just keep pushing on keep believing in yourself right here, here's actually a really good tip I just thought of is I would practice your name in katakana. So that's in Japanese. Mm-hmm. Uh, writing it. You don't have to figure out how to write it perfectly. But what I would do is come up with a consistent name. Now that you're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. So in Japan, mm-hmm. names have to be very specific. They have to match exactly. So yeah. if you have a first name, last name, and a middle name, mm-hmm. or if you have like six middle names, it varies in Japan, it has to match the same pretty much everywhere. Across everything. Yeah, and yeah. almost everything uses your middle name, which coming from the U.S. is kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. So what I have is in the last name box is your last name, and then the first name box has my first and my middle. Yeah. And so I have to remember, and in the beginning, I didn't know this, and so some yeah. of them had just first name, last name, some had first name, middle name, last name. Yeah. The point being, <laughs> I would figure out how to write your name in katakana and yeah. i would make it consistent where you put it everywhere and yeah. it probably should have your full name yeah not your short name not your preferred but your yeah. full legal name that would yeah. be on your passport and that's like a, a pro tip <laughs> it's relevant <laughs> because though. It, we didn't i mean obviously we got into the country and everything was fine but once you get here and you start creating accounts or mm-hmm. going to the doctor or setting up your utilities yada 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 and you were like, oh, I don't remember how I wrote my name in Katakana. It's a little different here. Or I didn't include my middle name or mm-hmm. whatever. The more consistent you are with your name, the better your experience is going to be. Yeah, I can't get into my Suica account because I can't remember yeah. how I put my name in Katakana. And that's his transit card to yeah. get around. <laughs> so I can't update my transit card app yeah. and I'd have to start all over and I'm probably going to have to do it. Yeah. And that's just an example of I yeah. wish I knew a consistent name I put in. Right. And we had the same thing with BitCamera, which is the uh-huh. electronic store. He didn't write his uh katakana the same and so he ended up with two accounts and then for the longest time we like had one account we couldn't remember which one was the one we were actually using and then finally we got someone to help us merge the two accounts yeah so now that's good and then i had the same thing at aesop when Mm -hmm. i go there you didn't write your name the way that we write it now so they can never find your account (laughs) (laughs) it just gets really complicated so that's like a a pro tip before you even get there practice your name in katakana it's the phonetic part yeah. Right, because you can pronounce it different ways. Like you could say "fuidip" or you could say "fidip," and so if you change that, it's going to be completely different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next up is taxes. Yay! Everyone's favorite topic. Death and taxes. Normally, you'd say I hate it. I don't want to hear about it. But 
wow, once you're moving to Japan, you're yeah. like, how do the taxes work? I'm scared. <laughs> yeah. It, it's something that I know sounds boring, but it is so important to your life here to yes. know what you're getting into before you get here. Right. So I know that that's a, a scary thing. And a lot of people are saying, okay, if my income is this much, how much can I live off of? Mm -hmm. What does my monthly mm -hmm. budget look like? Um, and I think we'll save some of the monthly aspects for another episode where we're talking about living in Japan and expenses. Yeah. So I'm going to scope this kind of to just the job portion of it. Yeah. First thing is talking about what builds up the total tax bracket of what you're in. I'm not going to get like way into tax brackets and everything. I just want to give a generalization. Start, yeah. um, so essentially, I have a little calculator here, which I think we should actually recommend to you. I don't mm -hmm. know who wrote it. But it's called japantaxcalculator.com. We'll put it in the description. Yeah, we can do that. Uh, but it's super helpful to at least get an idea of what your tax would look like. And it's fairly accurate, right? That was yeah, like the, it's, it's one of the more close. accurate ones we found. So there's insurance and pension. There's your income tax. And then there's resident tax. Mm -hmm. And your first year in Japan, you're not going to have resident tax. The way it works is you back pay it for the previous year's income. Mm -hmm. So if you make X, you make $50,000 in the previous year, you're going to pay the taxes, resident taxes on that for the next year. Oh, okay. So that means if you leave Japan, you, you still, still owe, owe taxes. Yeah, yeah it's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, don't think you're going to skip country and not pay for a year's worth of taxes. Yeah. You still got to pay it. Yeah. So resident tax, you won't see it in the first year. So if you go, then you're like, oh, taxes are way lower than I thought. Yeah. You're going to get hit by that. It's yeah. basically a flat 10% for everyone. Mm -hmm. There's a portional, uh, part of it deducted, it gets a little tricky, but basically 10%. And then the rest of it, um, just to give an example, if you were to make $30,000 or 3 million yen, your taxes are roughly, including resident tax, 28 percent it looks like mm -hmm. i'm just basing this on the calculator um and then if you're at a hundred thousand you are at 32 percent and then if you go up to like two hundred thousand then you're basically getting closer to 50 percent mm -hmm. and so what i would say is don't be surprised that it's actually one of the highest tax countries in the world is it um yeah it actually is i i want to say it's the top but i don't think that's true i think there's like think one country true. i think it's second Really? Yeah, it's that high. Okay. So they, they get pretty high. Um, yeah, taxes are high I here. I don't want to surprise anyone where they're like, oh, I make, you know, $100,000 and I'm going to be totally fine. And then you get like 40% of your taxes out. And yeah. then, you know, you're in this like, yeah. oh crap moment. Yeah. I mean, if you don't know what your taxes are going to be, it can dramatically affect your lifestyle. So do not just like, oh, taxes, screw taxes. <laughs> prepare <laughs> yeah and i would use this calculator as a good example yeah um i think the easiest one is just talking about a hundred thousand dollars since that's flat and you can kind of guess based on there yeah so this one says it's 33 percent for a hundred thousand for a hundred thousand okay so that's including your resident tax so when you first get there you're gonna have 10 or eight percent less than that yeah and then it's gonna hit afterwards yeah so don't get too cozy on that first year without having that little bit of extra money. Yep. And uh, kind of going back to what I was talking about with the relocation, any money that that company gives you to relocate or bonuses or whatever, those are all going to be taxed as well. Mm -hmm. So don't think you're going to get out of taxes for those. Yeah. So the, the other part I wanted to talk about for taxes is how do you pay it? Is it terrible? Is it awful? Yeah. Japan's a lot of paperwork. 
because filing or, or taxes, taxes is a nightmare. wherever you are is a pain in the butt. Right. So the interesting part about this is they're easier than the U.S. Oh my gosh, I would not expect that. Wow, that's crazy. Um, so basically, in the U.S., there's all of these crazy deductions. There's all these rules and gotchas. In Japan, it's pretty much a flat like here's the taxes, here's your brackets, here's the one, two, three exceptions or deductions, and that's it. Yeah. And then is there anything like with kids or spouses? There are. Okay. Yes. We have... don't deal with a lot of that because I don't make money and we don't have kids. Yes. So kids it, and a house will affect it. It will get a little bit more complicated. Right. Um, and then the other note on that is that your company, if you're working at a, a good company, a big company, yeah, they will usually pay that for you. Pay like someone to take care of it or like they will do the taxes for you. It'll come out of your paycheck. Oh, okay. Which is crazy. And I think what do you mean certain... by come out of your paycheck? So, uh, I'll give you my example. So okay. company says, Hey, it's coming up on the end of the year. Mm-hmm. They gave us a little tax thing that lets you break down like, hey, you're married, this is this, you have kids, Mm -hmm. yada, yada. And then they'll say, we can handle this or you have to go do something by hand. Okay. Um, And most of the time it's automatic. And so what they'll say is, this is how much we're expecting your taxes to cost. Mm -hmm. And they will send in the forms for you or you may have to send in one. It's super simple, maybe Mm -hmm. just a signature. And then they'll just automatically withdraw that amount from your next coming paycheck at the end of the year, January or whenever. Yeah. So that is actually something you may need to be careful of because if you're not expecting that paycheck to be short. Yeah, they should just, tell you. Just be aware that it could be coming toward the end of the year. Right. And I think it's good to spe- set an expectation versus reality when it comes to mm-hmm. Phil's experience. His company is great and is taking care of that for us, mm-hmm. but not every big company they may not do that for you. Right. And Japanese companies, I don't know if they do that for you. It sounds you. like it's pretty common Is that it? they do that. Okay. Um, there's obviously exceptions. And so sometimes you have to go fill that out on your own. Yeah. Your company is supposed to help you. It sounds yeah. like, I guess my point out of this is it was easier than I was expecting. That yeah. was the reality of it. Yeah, because um, it seems scary. Yeah. And like in the U.S., it's, you have to figure it all out yourself and you have to hire someone if you don't yeah. and it's expensive. Yeah. Here it's all pretty simple and straightforward. It's yeah. just... A lot. Yeah. Just a lot of money. Yeah. Okay. Moving away from taxes, I want to hit our last big point of the Jobs in Japan mm-hmm. podcast. <laughs> being a developer and being an English teacher are not the only jobs available in Japan. Yes. They are, I guess development is a little less common, but teaching English is super common. Right. That's what most people do when they want to get here. Mm-hmm. But there are a few other jobs that you can look into if you're not a developer and you don't want to teach children. You mm-hmm. can also be an interpreter. Uh, obviously, we don't know anything about these other jobs, so you'll have to look a little bit more into it yourself. These are just meant to spark ideas, yes. let you think about some other yeah, options. Yeah, because there is more outside of these too. Uh, a lot of people here are on entertainment visas Mm -hmm. and that's people who are making youtube or they're really famous on instagram or whatever other platforms i want to say that you can't just get here off of that unless you're really big you You have to be notable yeah you have to be fairly big to make that happen or you're being hired by a company to be an entertainer Mm -hmm. uh but it is possible so that's an option. And then there are startups. Mm-hmm. I think, again, is 
you have to maybe have something established before you can come over here? Uh, if you're making a startup, I think you have to have X amount of income, which is actually not a whole lot. So if you are making some money in your company, that's yeah. definitely a possibility. Okay. Or you could come over here and start one and have a certain number of developer, uh, <laughs> developer brain, a certain <laughs> number of employees. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of complexities for a startup. But and there's also startups here. That was the other thing. Right. There are startups here, which you actually looked into one at one point, but we I didn't did. end up going that way. Yeah. But there are some small companies that that's kind of where you need to do some Googling, mm -hmm. essentially, and get into like blogs and forums. That's usually where you'll find those smaller jobs like that. Yeah. Uh, modeling. Mm -hmm. Not something we're familiar with, but we do know some YouTubers that do modeling. There's a fair amount of people who come over here for that. Yeah. So modeling is an option, even if you're already like on an entertainment visa, like your YouTube or social media, whatever. A lot of people end up doing modeling as another source of income. Yeah. And I think foreigners are typically scouted. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. So modeling is an option. And then not really like a job, but you could be a student. <laughs> Yeah, if you're just trying to get over here, that yeah. could be a legit option. Yeah, and I don't know the requirements to be a student over here. I don't know if students are allowed to come in with the current situation of getting into Japan. Mm -hmm. But if you are desperate for something, being a student might be an option to at least get you over here, get mm -hmm. used to the culture, learn the language, make the connections. Right. So it's a really good in as well. All right, I think that about wraps up the Jobs in Japan episode. I think we were pretty thorough. Hopefully. Yeah, but if you have questions about something specific, I know we had to be a bit vague on mm -hmm. some areas just because they get a little bit too into the weeds or right. we can't be so specific. Uh, you know, we can help you on anything you're interested in. It, just send us an email and we can dig a little deeper into what you're looking at. Yeah, if you have specific situations or yeah. scenarios that you're like, hey, what does this look like to you? Do you think that this is yeah. enough money or do you think that this is a safe estimation yeah. if you're trying to figure out budgets? Yeah, we'll do our best. Yeah. Uh, if you want to email us, you can email us at tokyoadventurespodcast at gmail.com. That will be in the info area of this podcast. Mm -hmm. Of course, we are also on Twitter and Instagram. You can hit us up there as well. Of course, you can email us about any topic that you want to talk about or want to hear on the podcast or you can give us some feedback or you can share your story of wanting to move to Japan or visiting Japan or living in Japan. We love to hear anything. It's yeah. really exciting for us to hear from you it guys. It's nice to hear inspirational stories yeah. and just seeing the questions that you have. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely hit us up. And I think that's going to wrap this episode up. We will be putting up more now that we're a little bit more rested we're back into the groove. Yeah, we're back into the groove. We got some cool topics to cover, so more to come soon. But that is going to be it for today. Thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.